Welcome to the Oil and Gas Global Network's Legal and Risk Management Podcast with Sarah Stogner, where each weekly episode touches on legal and risk management issues impacting the energy sector. Visit our website at www.oilandgaslegalrisk.com for more information on today's episode, past episodes, and upcoming OGGN events. Today's episode is sponsored by ThoughtTrace, developers of Alley, an artificial intelligence platform that reads and understands energy agreements and contracts to quickly find critical data. Hey guys, this is Sarah. Thanks again for joining me for the Oil & Gas Global Network's Oil & Gas Legal Risk Management Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.oilandgaslegalrisk.com where you can submit questions, download episodes, learn more about our guests and our show notes, and get some great resources and information from from the people that spend their time to hang out with me for a few minutes. So today's episode, I've got two different guys that I recorded at two different sessions. One is Stephen Toops with a company called Cleargistics, and the other one is Travis Lehman with Delta Perform. And I had these two guys on to talk about some technologies that they've developed that I think are making work safer and more efficient. And so they're, they're very different, but they're both, I think, pretty interesting and intriguing. And I think that, that they could be helpful for a lot of you out there. And so I wanted to learn more about kind of what the technology is doing as far as helping people to capture time, get paid, track inventory, supply chain management, and all kinds of things. So first, we're going to hear from Stephen Toops with Cleargistics. And then next, we're going to hear from Travis Lehman with Delta Perform. Good morning. This is Sarah, and I'm here with Stephen Toops of Cleargistics. Thanks for joining me this morning, Stephen. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you for having me. And just to explain to our listeners why it's so noisy today, we are sitting here at the far side of the Coliseum at the Permian Basin International Oil Show in Odessa, Texas. Yep. And we've been trying to get together to record an episode, and we finally made it happen. We were both in the same place at the same time, so I'm glad that we could make it work. Me too. Well, we're in uh, windy, rainy, and cold Odessa, Texas. It, it is unlike, like, one of the best redeeming features of West Texas is that it's usually sunny and not very humid. Uh, you would not know it outside today or the forecast for the next week. So. We had, uh, our company is headquartered in the New Orleans area in a town called Madisonville, Louisiana, which is north of Lake Pontchartrain. And we had an event at our office on Sunday. It was about 85 degrees. It was beautiful. I was driving through there. Clear blue skies, nice little breeze blowing. And I got here uh, on Monday and it was 37 degrees misting and generally miserable. Yeah, winter weather <laughs> advisories, right? And so I feel so bad for all these guys at the oil show. There is so much outside vendors. Yes. And they are just miserably huddled underneath their pop-up tents. A lot of big equipment out there. Yeah, yep. yeah. So can you just kind of give everybody that's listening your background and, sure. and you know, how, you, how did you get in this industry? Sure. I'm a CPA by training. And I've uh, kind of served as a uh, kind of Mr. Fix-It person for the hatchet companies. man. Not, You're the hatchet not, man. Not necessarily. <laughs> nice, nice man. And I had uh, done some work for an oil field services company. Uh, it's actually located here out in uh, Midland, Texas. Uh, helped kind of get the operations uh, straightened out and had, you know, saw 
the need at that point in time for getting rid of the paper that is just how a lot of the oil field uh, is run still. So, you know, the oil field is a uh, industry of paper. Uh, we paper, hate change. Yeah. Paper service tickets, paper JSAs. And so a gentleman who I knew who had a software company who had started the company to get rid of paper being used to document activities of boats in the Gulf of Mexico. So at this time, it was kind of summer 2015. You know, oil has, uh, you know, was, was trending significantly downward. The Gulf of Mexico was pretty much on pause. And uh, so what I saw was the opportunity to take the capability that the company had developed. And instead of viewing the field as the Gulf of Mexico, view the field as the actual field in uh, West Texas. So we set about to really remove the paper from the business processes for oil field services companies. And it's funny because when we first started, my, you know, I've got, you know, I tell people all the time, I got CPA on the brain. So my first thought is the thing that these service companies are going to be most concerned about is the service ticket because the service ticket for the service companies is money, it's revenue. And the more we got around to talking to all these service companies, what they said was, okay, well, that's great that you're going to take my service ticket and, and turn it into uh, digital information. But what about my JSA that my folks are filling out? What about my expense report my folks are filling out? What about the payroll form my guys are filling out? What about the inspection form that my crews are filling out? And so we really had to kind of take a step back and say, you know, what we need to develop isn't necessarily something to replace the service ticket. What we need to develop is a way to gather information digitally from the field and manage that information through every step of the process. Yeah. And I mean, I think what I found so intriguing about it is usually when I'm called, something bad has happened, right? (laughs) Unfortunately. And in the midst of responding to an emergency incident, everyone is just trying to do the best they can to get things done. And unfortunately, AFEs aren't necessarily set up to track costs in the way that they will be reimbursed. So, you know, people set up AFEs based, based on well sites yep. and based on, well, what are we doing on the well at the time? And we'll have, fine, we'll have a redrill AFE based on this well, or we'll have a pollution cleanup AFE at this location. But that's not necessarily how insurance or indemnity obligations right. are paid. And so I often get involved and unfortunately, some poor field engineer or safety guy that was involved in the response ends up inevitably months down the road sitting in a conference room with me going through tens of thousands of field tickets, paper invoices, and oftentimes... It's, JSAs. Yep. It's oftentimes, you know, as simple as you'll have a guy with the field ticket for a, a, a vac truck, for example, and it'll say, went to field, hauled water... <laughs> which is totally not helpful to know which well you were at. And then you've got the AFE number that gets hand drawn. And then Mm -hmm. it's just really a logistical nightmare, right? So what is your software doing and, and how does it work? So what we do is we can set up the information that the company needs to gather Uh, inside of our system. So we actually deploy tablets or laptops in the field. And so the field personnel are gathering information using one of those devices. We're a cloud-based system. So as soon as that information is gathered, the rest of the company can see it. So the people in the office can see it. The supervisors or right. pushers can Payrolls see it. Payrolls not waiting for the guys to that come is, back from PECOS. That is correct. Is, yeah. That is correct. So 
once you step back and remove the necessity of moving pieces of paper around, the world opens up. So we were at a company a couple of months ago, and I like getting one of the field technicians in the room when I'm doing a demo. And generally, you know, people are sitting there and they're kind of stoic. And so I'll ask people, I'll ask the technician at the end of the demo. It's like, do you think you could use that? And it's like, yeah, I think I can use that. And so this gentleman went further and he sat, he sat silent for a little while again. And all of a sudden he interrupted something I was saying. He said, wait a second. Are you telling me I don't have to bring my tickets to the office in the morning, every morning? And it's like, yes. He said, when can we start using this? Right. Which, you know, that right there, my lawyer brain goes less time on the roads. Yes. And, you know, one of the booths that's set up right over here is this road coalition of major operators in the area mm-hmm. who's working with the Department of Transportation, trying to address the fatalities that we're seeing yeah. so much out here on the roads. And so, I mean, anytime you can have your guys avoiding being on the road, right. is that, that alone is probably worth right. its weight. Right? Well, and, you know, you mentioned before about documentation. And about making sure that that documentation is contemporaneous, so it's done when the transaction's happening. So we had a company we were uh, doing a demo for that, I, you know, one of the things about the way that we can do a JSA is if something's clicked unsatisfactory on it, I can immediately send the safety person a text message or an email going, hey, at this location, here's the unsatisfactory condition that was noted. Interesting. And so I was doing that demo and four people at the company, all of a sudden everybody starts laughing in the room. And it's like, okay, what, what don't I, right, I know you about? You missed the joke. And uh, they said, you know, Stephen, we had one of our trucks out in West Texas. They were supposed to do a truck inspection for him every morning, who for a month documented, I don't have a first aid kit in my truck. And so I said, well, And I no said, one ever looked at it because right. it was the JSA. It, it, it got checked them, off and they got stuck them, in a box. It took them 30 days before the appropriate person at the company saw that. Wow. And then could call the guy up. Hey, see, you're missing something. I said, using Clergistics, it it can take 10 seconds. Right. And we're going to notify you. I said, I don't even have to tell you what happens if there's an accident that needed a first aid kit on site. You don't want to talk to the attorney on the other side. No, you don't. Nobody ever wants to talk to me, Right. right? So getting that contemporaneous documentation, that documentation in the field, having a time date stamp on it, very, very important from a liability perspective. So what do you guys do with the the operators or the contractors who just insist on having someone in the field sign stamp, something? Stamp a piece of paper. Yeah. It's, so we can handle approvals, one of about four different ways. Okay. One of which is we can deploy a small Bluetooth printer out there, print the ticket out, have them stamp it. And I tell the folks that do that, when you when they stamp it and fill the stamp out, You take your tablet and you take a picture of that and you tell the company man that the only person that's going to actually look at that picture is someone at your company when it's being approved because everything else is being handled digitally. Wow. Everything else from uploading it to the ERP system to ultimately uploading it into Cortex or Ariba or uh, Oildex, everything else is going to be digital. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot more. We actually created like a little front and back pager that we give to our customers to say, here's how we do approvals. And it's a conversation starter between that company and the company representatives in terms of how approvals can be done. Okay. So we're seeing that change. We're seeing a lot more receptivity to people going, okay. Because the number one concern when you actually sit down and talk to the the company men 
the number one concern is what happens if I sign something that gets changed afterwards? So first of all, that can happen on paper as well. Right. But you sign something, I'm immediately going to send you a PDF of exactly what you signed. So you're going to know exactly what you signed, when you signed it, where you signed it. You've gotten, you now have that documentation. Wow. And once we show that to people, it's like, okay, that's, that's a little bit of a game changer. Right. But it's funny because we talk to company men, we talk to service companies, and a lot of times everybody's pointing the finger at the other person oh, in yeah. terms of why there's still paper out in the field. Right. Well, you know, that's what the service companies give us. Or, oh, well, that's what the company man requires right. for this company or that company. So, but we do see that changing out there in the field. Yeah, good. And then... We've all been out in the middle of the field and, and not had cell service. Yeah. So what do you do in those remote locations? How does that work? Yeah, so our system is completely functional outside of cell service. So once you get back in service, you can then sync up with our cloud infrastructure and get everything back uploaded. So, you know, you can use the entirety of the system when you do not have cell service. And that's important for companies that's like, look, hey, I don't, I'm, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Right. I'm, I'm not going to have cell service. Right. Sprayberry doesn't have the greatest cell reception. <laughs> or offshore on some jackup rig. Right. But what we're seeing is we're seeing the proliferation of cell signal offshore and on land, especially out here in West yeah, Texas. Yeah, it's getting better. It's increasing. Yeah, it is. Because what you have is you have a lot of IoT, you have a lot of devices on pump jacks, at tank batteries. You know, and I tell our service company cl- customers that the people who know where their cell service are the truck drivers. Yeah, <laughs> right. I said, let's get one of your drivers in here and ask them how much of the time they're actually outside of cell service. And what we're seeing is that number's coming down, coming down pretty substantially. Because if they don't have cell service exactly where they are, they know, hey, a mile that way, there's a tank battery. Tank battery's got cell service. Got it. So if I need to go there during the middle of the day and sync up, don't have to, but if, you, if, if, if that's what the company wants to have happen, it can be done. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, you know, you've been in this industry, like you said, during the downturn. It really is an exciting time, especially you've been visiting West Texas a lot, right? So what have you seen at the oil show and what, what's kind of your take on, you know, the, the feel for the atmosphere here this week? Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, unfortunately the weather's been pretty crummy, right? but I've seen a lot of it. First of all, shows full a ton of people out here. We see optimism and we see busy. And so what happens is, especially on the service company side, you know, things have gone from not good to pretty good pretty quickly. Yeah, they have. And so that makes it very difficult for the service companies, business processes to adjust. And so we see walking around, talking to a lot of service companies out here, they're behind all of a sudden. And their operations people are telling them, we're going to be busier, we're going to be busier, yeah. we're going to be busier. And you got the controller, the CFO, the, the folks that are doing billing, the folks that are doing especially payroll are going, we can't handle what we got now. Right. If we get another 25% busy or 50% busy in 2019, we're going to have to go hire 10 people. Right. And ultimately, we're seeing a receptivity for our message, which is, hey, we can help you be more efficient. We can help you get the information around your company. We can help you see things earlier. We can save you money and we can avoid you having to hire those 10 people. Right. So instead of your business growing lockstep, number of employees, number of transactions. Right. You're increasing your profit margin. Absolutely. If we can keep the employee number 
low and keep the transactions going high, you're going to make more money. Right. So as a CPA, let me, let me put back on your CPA hat. Yep. What were some of the most common issues that you see? You know, I had, I had a discussion the other day with a guy that has some new software for taxes and, mm-hmm. and you know, allocating taxes and recording and showing that, hey, this is what's owed. This is why it's owed. So I know that tax liability Absolutely. can be a big issue. Yep. But for those that are not numbers, I am not a numbers cruncher person, <laughs> right? So what do you think some of those risks and, and that are surrounding the industry from a, an accounting perspective? Yeah. So what, what you see is, so a lot of, uh, I'll give you one example. A lot of service companies pay their employees, pay their field personnel by ticket time. Yeah. So if we put 10 hours on the ticket, that's 10 hours of payroll for everybody that's on that crew. So one of the issues that happens from an administrative perspective is that one transaction in the field can be documented numerous times. So for example, they've got the service ticket. The operator in the field fills out the service ticket. So that's one documentation. Then it comes into the office. And someone in the office key punches it into their ERP system. That's the second documentation. And then they're taking the same information and they're key punching it into their payroll system. That's now a third documentation. And then we're taking it and and keying it into Cortex or Oldex or Ariba. That's a fourth documentation. So what you've got is the same transaction being documented multiple times. A potential for errors. Absolutely. Potential for errors, a potential for where is this? Right. So... For service companies who are using paper tickets to both document revenue and document payroll, you you know we're finding that person in the company who are spending all of either billing day or payroll day on the phone chasing down tickets. It's like, where is this? Sending text messages, calling. You know, I don't have you know crew fours tickets for last Tuesday. What's happening? Where is it? And so they're spending all of this inefficient time tracking down information. Instead of even using my system, they log on and they see it there. Or if something hasn't been documented, they know the next day it hasn't been documented. Right. So why do we have this job outstanding that we have a ticket for Monday, a ticket for Tuesday, no ticket for Wednesday, and a ticket for Thursday? So in our system, I can let you know that. Right. It's like, hey, this crew didn't put a field ticket in the system yesterday. Right. So I can't control what the employees are doing, but I can let you know as it's happening What's going on out there in the field from a documentation, a JSA perspective, the whole nine years. Right. And, you know, it's funny that you mention the payroll and the hours because one of the things that from a legal issue that we've been seeing is people challenging whether or not someone's really a 1099 or a W-2. And there's been a couple high-profile cases, class actions of guys out in the field saying, you know, hey, I'm not really a contract worker. I'm an employee. You're telling me when to be there, where to be there. And if you had you talking about this, I think if we had better ways of documenting reliably what people are doing and it's like, well, no, you know, maybe you're you are really setting the schedule right yep. for your work. And, and so it, it could be a possible shield and defense for an employer against a wage and hour claim because the burden is on the employer if right. they get sued on a wage and hour issue to prove that the that the employee was properly paid. And if you don't have the documentation, you cannot prove Correct. that it was proper. And not only from a payroll perspective, also from a safety perspective. Right. You know, again, documenting that information every day and being able to put a time and date stamp on it 
you know, you make sure that if ever challenged, you know, here's the date and time that that was done. Right. So you never ask the question about when was this JSA complete? Right, right. But by hand, right. that someone can come after the fact and say, Correct. oh, that wasn't like that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. It was done right. You know, it was done right then and there. Here's the time and date stamp on it. Here's when all those people signed it. Right. No, that's that's really interesting. So what do you have planned for the rest of the time while you're in town? So we spent yesterday going a lot of the inside booths here at the uh, oil <laughs> show because it was uh, rainy and nasty. Today we're uh, kind of walking around outside. It's not supposed to start raining again real hard until this afternoon. So we're out and, uh, you know, meeting folks yeah. and uh, talking to them about uh, using using Clergistics. Yeah, well, great. Well, thanks so much for, for joining me. And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to find you? So the best way to find me is uh, email Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N dot Toops, T-O-U-P-S at Clergistics.com, C-L-E-A-R-G-I-S-T-I-X.com. And you're on LinkedIn, right? On LinkedIn. Yep. Like to like to be uh, fairly active on there. Yeah, me too. I'm, I think it's a great way to find people. And yep. I know that we banter sometimes back and forth about stuff. So. Yeah, we, we had a funny LinkedIn story yesterday. So I got connected with one of the guys that does a lot of barbecue catering out here, Junior Urias, through LinkedIn. And, you know, every day at like 9, 10 o'clock, I would get these LinkedIn messages from Junior that showed like the barbecue spread that they were doing on location somewhere. I was like, oh, my God, that looks so good. <laughs> Yesterday, he was catering an event at the, one of the events that we attended in the evening. So I finally got to eat Junior's barbecue. So. And was it as good as it, <laughs> it looked? It was unbelievable. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm hungry, right? I'm hungry. Well, thank you so much. And if you've got like... I don't have some of my other podcast hosts have set questions that they sure. ask or, you know, like a parting words of yeah. wisdom. And, and I haven't quite nailed down exactly what mine's going to be. But is there anything that you kind of in two sentences, yeah. you know, what's the message? What do you think's the next big thing? You know, one, one of the things that, uh, you know, the, the oil field is kind of slow to change occasionally. And one of the things that we know we see is that, you know, we've got drill bits in West Texas that are actually being steered from offices in Houston. But everybody in West Texas is filling out a piece of paper in order to get paid. We know that's changing. And one of the hesitancies of these service companies to change is that they don't feel that they can get their employees, their field personnel to actually use the system. And we've designed our system to be very easy to use, very field usable. And so, you know, that's why when, when we're doing demos, I like having a field technician in the room because I can turn around and go, can you do that? And it's like, yeah, that, that doesn't look hard. Right. And so there's a lot of design things we did in our system to not try to overcomplicate the matter. You know, we're not trying to be an ERP system on a tablet out in the field. That's not what companies want. Companies want to gather their information more efficiently. And that's what we do. And we do that very well. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, okay. Sarah. It was a pleasure. I'm glad we were able to finally get this yeah, done. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> a big thank you to Stephen for taking a little bit of time out of his day while he was at the Permian Basin Oil Show for chatting with me about his Cleargistics Paper is the Problem technology. Now you're going to hear from Travis Lehman, who's the founder and president of Delta Perform, who sat down with me and talked about his new office and well site management tool. But before we hear from him, I wanted to say thank you to our sponsor, ThoughtTrace. 
developers of Alley, an artificial intelligence platform that reads and understands energy agreements and contracts to quickly find critical data. Thought Trace, let the software do the reading. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for listening. Make sure you sign up for our weekly drawing for that awesome portable power bank at thoughttrace.com slash podcast drawing. Also, if you want to hear other episodes or learn any more about me or my guests, please visit www.oilandgaslegalrisk.com where you can get all kinds of great information and submit a question what do you want to hear about? What do you want to learn more about? We've got some great episodes that I've recorded that we're going to be editing and getting out there soon. But I want to know what you guys want to hear about. So if there's something that if you had 30 minutes to pick a lawyer's brain, what would you want to discuss? So let us know. Now we're going to hear from Travis Lehman. Welcome to this week's episode. This is Sarah. I'm sitting here this afternoon with Travis Lehman, who's my guest. Uh, Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having We're sitting here at, it's a beautiful, it's a little bit warm, right, for October here in the Permian. It is. But we're, it's a beautiful afternoon here at Midland Country Club. And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking with you today. All right, me too. So, Travis, I ask each of my guests if they could give me their elevator pitch for who they are and what they do. So, what's your elevator pitch? Our elevator pitch is, is very simple. It's just, with, with that opportunity, we really define it out as, Hey, we are the newest platform of technology for field use, mitigating human factor, eliminating loss in fiscal respect and in safety respect. Okay. Interesting. So before we get into a little bit more about what you're doing right now, we met for coffee a couple of days ago and you had some really interesting background stories. So uh, you started out in the industry with Halliburton? I did, yes. Second generation Halliburton. My dad retired there from 42 years and I uh, spent the first 10 years of my career out there. I uh, started out in the cement department, and I was one of the lucky ones, got to bridge into other departments and as supervisor and finished up my time there, my 10 years with operating as a uh, part of the logistic management of Permian Basin for fracking acid. So I got to be involved in a lot of equipment management, a lot of people management, but then a lot of accounting and receivables, but also materials coming in for warehousing, planning, forecasting, just everything involved inside that. So Halliburton was really exciting for me. I, I really had a good time there. And so where are you now? What are you doing in these days? So after Halliburton, we had a service company and we had some consultants and we we ventured out into the, the business side of, of the oil and gas industry. And we grew up, we grew pretty big for our area, but we grew really fast. And we had a lot of a lot of people that were really good people, but we didn't have controls in place, meaning SOPs. And that stands for standard operating standard operating procedures. procedures right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of figure everybody's familiar with our nomenclature, but I forget not everybody yeah. is. But with that, I didn't have any controls in place of knowing that my guys and 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 um, and ladies in the field were doing what they were supposed to according to our processes. Over time, really. A very short period of time, I realized that they were not following our processes. They were reporting it as such that they did. What we found out at the same time, too, was that they weren't following our customers' processes, safety or procedural. So we, we had some major struggles inside of there of, of how do we get our people to do what they're supposed to. Yeah, how do you? <laughs> so so we tried different things. We, we paid them more. 
we gave them bonuses. We, we did a lot of things like that where we just didn't get the results that we wanted. And it was major challenges that definitely did not help the company. But it just one of those things that kept us up at night of, of just fearful that we were going to kill somebody. Right. I mean, I think our industry, we have conversations all the time about how we're not good at combating the negative PR. And when something bad happens, we're often in the spotlight, right? So we think about Macondo, we think about the Oklahoma fire last year, earlier this year, right? So can you point to a time where you had an epiphany or was there, you know, one particular instance that really changed the way you thought of, we really got to do something about the people factor? Yeah, most definitely. Inside of our operations, we had policies where we didn't drive in active fog and we didn't drive on active ice. Well, one week we we had Monday through Friday, we didn't get to leave the yard till like 9.30 or 10. And we had several different PSLs inside of our business, product service lines. And one of them was um, we had some backhoes. And so all week these guys couldn't leave early just to, so that we didn't have those issues. I got a call on Saturday morning that I just – we didn't have anybody working. It was a weekend where it was kind of a good weekend for us. We could kick back and relax. And I get a call from, from my driver, uh, a backhoe operator, and I could hear in his voice something was devastatingly wrong. And as we, uh, he, he lets me know, hey, boss, I messed up. I, uh, I left the yard, and I went ahead and went out to go get a couple extra hours from the field. And it's not like the guys lost hours because of the fog. They got paid to sit and wait to the fog. It's just he, he needed more money. He, he had some things going on in his life that he needed more money. And we all face that at times. But he took a risk on his own of driving in this active fog. And he pulled a water hauler, a water truck pulled out in front of him in Orla. And right now Orla, Texas is known for its roads and accidents out there. This has been several years ago, but the water truck pulled out in front of him. He hit the back of the truck and just totaled out the two-ton two-ton Ford pickup and the gooseneck behind it. But right behind him was a young mom and her son, and they went up underneath our trailer. And uh, they were injured, but they, they weren't killed, thank God, and, and they were able to walk away from that accident. So from that, having controls in place and, and knowing that we have human behaviors that, that need to be altered, need to be not necessarily altered, maybe managed, we need to assist them on the way that they they proceed forward on task by task. The scary part of that was that as we got to talking to our customer, the, the, the field manager that was in the field actually told our employee, do not come to work today. We're not doing anything today. Take the weekend off. He still took it upon himself to get in that pickup, leave the yard. There was nobody there to stop him. He knew the rules. He drives out and he drives down. And according to the, the police, the Texas State Police, they said that he was doing over 70 miles an hour when he hit that, that truck that he could not see until that truck until he was right there. And the mom had said, hey, I was just behind that, that, uh, that pickup and trailer, and, and they were making good time, so I figured I'd be safe. So it, it was a very, very significant point in my life when I realized we could write all these policies down, but if we don't have controls in place to know exactly what's going on with our people and with our equipment, we're still going to have these issues. Well, you know, from my perspective, I tell clients all the time, the only thing worse than having no procedures is having procedures that you don't follow. I mean, it's it really is a recipe for litigation 
to go in there right in front of a jury and say, well, you knew you weren't supposed to drive in the fog, right? And it was foggy that morning, wasn't it? And your boss told you not to go and drive in the fog, didn't he? And you went anyways. I mean, it's just the guidelines to tell somebody how to sue you, essentially, right? When you have policies and procedures that you're not following. Exactly. So what are you guys working on now on trying to combat that human factor? Well, in addition to to our incident, Macondo, like you mentioned earlier, was a huge part of this for us. It was a loss of 11 lives that there, there is no acceptable reason or excuse for, for what happened there. Um, these, were, these were fathers. These were brothers. These were husbands. These were very important people to somebody back here at home. And processes in the same way weren't followed there. Controls weren't put in place. And, and I really looked at offshore as somewhere that would have mega controls. Right. We're you spending would think. that much money that we – we know that everything that we do is the right thing to do. And Macondo really exposed that for the whole industry that that's just not the case. And we, we don't have the onshore federal regulation. We don't have a Bessie, Correct. right, for, for the states. Yeah. And so that, that was really equally, if not greater, instru- greater instrumental for me for the fact that we have to, we have to create something to stop us from stepping forward in a direction that we shouldn't be stepping forward in. So after all that was done with business and went out and I did some projects with Chevron and had a really good time doing that, but I knew on my first day out there with Chevron that the large service company of Halliburton, the small independent service company that we had, and then the large Chevrons and the small mom and pop oil companies, we all have the same issues. We all do. My, my problems were very small compared to Halliburton's and Chevron's, but they were the same problems. It was a human factor. Not that we're wanting to eliminate the human factor, it's just we want to improve the human factor. Well, and I think, right, with, with the downturn a few years ago, we lost a lot of labor. And so now we even have a, a wider knowledge gap between, right, the veterans that have been out there for forever and the younger guys, and how do you make sure that, one, the veterans are doing the right thing and teaching the new guys the correct things to do, and who's there to make sure that they're following the steps and that the new guys get the, the continual guidance that they need to really develop an expertise? Yeah. So in focusing on that, we realized that we had to, we had to create something that was functional and and, and very focused, very granular on, on what it was doing. So so the dream of perform, something that, you know, God had been putting in my head for, for quite a long time and I was just ignoring, I realized that it was something that we had to build because we had we had to bring something to the market, to to the industry to help number one, save these lives. What we didn't realize is that it turns out to be such a great effective tool that it has all these byproducts of saving time, saving money creating more more funds to drill more wells, things things like that. So Perform was born at that point, and all we did was focus on what our people need to do inside of process management, implementing procedures, and implementing SOPs and safety policies that are related to each one of those tasks inside of there, educating everybody on that rig and on that location of, this is what we're doing, and 
by the way, this is what you need to look out for. This is the reason why we're doing this. We're, we're, we're educating these, this younger generation of, of, of people to bring them up five, ten years of not experience but of ability to do their job properly. As we have a younger uh, company man or engineer, for example, on location, they, they're not able to perform the way that the 35-year guy or gal performs their job. Now, in this last downturn, a lot of them didn't come back, and they're not going to. A lot of the younger generation that had been in the, in the oil patch for a couple of years, they couldn't survive for a couple of years without a job. They had to go somewhere, and as a family, they had to make a, a family decision of, hey, it's safe over here to not go back to the oil field. We're going to stay in this industry. And they moved, they, they, they exited our industry and they're not coming back. So, so we have an even broader group of people that have lesser amounts of experience. The gap between the newer guys who are, who is a majority of the field to the older, well-seasoned guys, well beyond my age, that's a massive gap in there. There's a huge black hole. So, so I knew that we had to put something together to to bring that younger generation up to a level of operational efficiency, eliminating these issues live, but also educating these people as we go along the way, taking them to a a training level, a, a training effect that just doesn't exist in the in the industry, and and I haven't seen one anywhere else. Where as we have people following step by step process with an interface to, to their mobile device or to their, their wearable that they have to actually engage and acknowledge creating a, a, a new level, a new sense of accountability for what they're about to do. It's changing the way that they focus and do their job. So in the testing that we've done, we've seen that the people are paying more attention to the steps that are coming up because they understand that it's visible what they're doing now. So how do you come up with, how, or, you know, you're, you get hired by a new company and you're going to help them develop or modify their standard operating procedures and, and how, what advice can you give for somebody who maybe is charged with that at their own company right now? How do you, what's your frame of mind? What's your process of trying to develop the right SOPs? That's a good question because... We, we visited with so many people and so many companies now and with our clients all the way from the mom and pop to the Chevrons of the world and the Oxys of the world. We, we've seen across the whole industry that the SOPs and procedures are not at the level that we would think that they should be. They're very, they're very generic and most times they reference to technology from five years ago. Or, I mean, it's as simple as a Word document, right? You've got a, an engineer with a Word or an Excel spreadsheet, and the last well that they drilled in a different area, different formation, maybe different depth, and it's just a copy and paste and change it, right? That's right. Copy and paste is, is, is very predominant out here, just all across our industry, in the service company side and in the operator side. As, as we have in the, the major organizations, and you have – 15 different business units inside of your, your organization for Permian Basin, for example, you may have 15 different business units, but we're all drilling the same well. We're just, we have de depths, differences, and things. We're strategically placing our well bores. 
to to optimize our production out of there. But that's really sometimes the only thing that changes because for us right now, the industry, the market that we're in, we're we're in a manufactured mode of drilling these wells. It's the same well after the same well after the same well. Just depths are they change up. So what we're seeing is the company that has so many districts inside of there where we, we expect the company to be operating uniformly as it comes to risk management and policies and SOPs. Of those 15, we actually see seven different procedures out there. And the one procedure might be five years old, and they're just time after time copying and pasting and changing depths. Right, or there's an incident at in one division, and another division doesn't know and doesn't learn from it. Correct. It's not communicated across. So so you have best practices that each one of these divisions have created, but they're kind of holding on to it like a three-year-old with, with, a, with a candy bar. It's mine. Right. You know, they're, they're maybe afraid to speak out or, hey, I just – that's their that's their business over here. We're, we're going to learn from our issues here. So being able to communicate and see this from a corporate view, but also from a field view, see the best practices live come across that as Johnny on the spot over here, your mentor, who is great, he knows what he's doing. He's, he, he knows everything about his job, but he has such great levels of complacency and he's really familiar with policies and procedures from 10 years ago, but he's not so familiar with policies and procedures from the last year. He's an awesome asset to the company, but there's areas that he could definitely improve on. So as he's sharing his knowledge, and hopefully he's sharing his knowledge, and a lot of times they don't share this knowledge, as he's sharing his knowledge to that next generation over there, essentially we're just sharing over a decent amount of experience and and uh, and helping season these younger guys, but we're sharing over a lot of complacency, a lot of shortcuts, and that's what kills so many people. That that's that's where we lose our money. That's 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 where a lot of our costs comes from. Right. So, I, I guess in your opinion, is this quote unquote human factor the most pressing issue in our industry right now? From a from a risk management standpoint. <laughs> Sorry, I was shaking my head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I truly believe it is. We we put a lot of focus and attention into downhole technology. I mean, we can drill these wells now, and drilling in five and ten foot target windows out in these laterals. It's just amazing. It blows my mind of the technology that our service companies and engineers have 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 created. Thinking of when they started in the you know, 50 years ago with wooden derricks, and I, I know it's probably longer than that, but wooden derricks and, and cable tools to where now we're drilling these laterals 10,000 feet deep and 14,000 feet out or two miles out away from that original wellbore like that. The technology is just awesome. The industry has done a phenomenal job. But we've overlooked in, in many, many, many ways the, the human of this. We've We've looked at the drill bit, but we haven't looked at the human so much. And the majority of our failures of what we have in the industry, I don't have the number. I'd like to have this number, but I don't think anybody has this number. The majority of our failures in the industry are not from the bit or from the equipment. The majority of times it's from the human being that's running that. Right. It's from the human being that redressed it. It's from the human being that is following the order that – has been taught to him from the previous the generation 
that has given him great points, but he's also missing out due to complacencies inside there. So the human factor of this, it's time that we focus on that. As we look at human behaviors, we have to focus on that because we're not going anywhere. As we go to robotics, we're still going to be there. There just may not be as many of us there, but we're still going to be there watching this and doing this. The, the focus still needs to stay on the bit, on the formation, on the frack, but to come in like we are and say, okay, we're going to focus on this one area of business, this one area that manages everything, to help him be extremely proficient at what he does, eliminate safety issues, reduce costs greatly, reduce CapEx and OpEx at significant numbers, but also educate him or her and take them to that next level of, of doing their job, open up more doors for, for the employee uh, for, for promotions, open up more doors for the employee for promotions, not just in the operator side, but also in the service company side. The more we know, the better. And, and that's something that my parents taught me. The more you know, the better. Yeah, and I, I, I find that one of the struggles I have in dealing with anyone on either whether it's with operators or service companies or whoever it is, is we don't always want to know, you know. And so it's trying to educate the industry and encourage everyone that, look, we're we're all on the same team and we want to learn from our mistakes and we want to share knowledge and doing that without increasing your legal liabilities and risks is tricky, but I don't think that it's impossible. And, you know, I think when we had coffee again the other day, you were, we were talking about sitting in class, right? So you've got 10 new people that are going to go to a class and who knows what's going on in their heads and what they're absorbing, right? Yeah. So in, in that discussion on there, talking about the human factor of all this is that as we have the, the large organizations like Halliburton and the Slumberjays, and, and, and they have their schools where, where we're teaching people, as, as we look at this and we focus on the human factor of this, on the individual, not the bit, we focus on the individual, that instructor, we, we want the instructor to put out 100% of the, the uh, criteria he's supposed to teach you, but in all reality, let's just say that the instructor is at Everything is hunky-dory in his life. You know, his wife's happy. His kids are healthy. He just got a raise. So he's, he's feeding out 80% really of what he should feed out. He's focusing on the things that are going to be on the test primarily, but he's putting out a little more data. But of the 10 people that go to that school, 50% of them are, are probably going through a divorce. Something's going on in their Something's lives. Something's going on in their they're lives. They're, they're having issues. Financial issues, family issues, health issues, they're, they're distracted. So of that 80% that the instructor is now putting out versus the 100% that he's supposed to feed to us, the five that are going through the major issues, they're, maybe they're picking up 50%. They're picking up enough to pass the test because of the emphasis that is put onto those things, on those items. The rest of the group, maybe they're picking up 60% of that. 70%, but it's those 50% that are only picking up 40%, 30%. It's the gaps. And it's then the gaps. it's the real-life application without the guidance. Correct. So they come out of training, and they're, they're educated. Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing well. And they go into a mentor program, and we find out right off the bat that the mentor 
learned from the previous guy, from him, that he learned from. And there's just five different layers of complacency and shortcuts that, that are fed to them. And I faced this, at, and I faced it at Halliburton. Everybody faces it that, well, that's the way that we do it in school. Right. That's what they but teach you in school. Exactly. Welcome in the field, to the real this world, is how son. we do it. Yeah. We don't take all those extra steps. Well, those steps are in there for, for an important reason. Most of the time, those steps are written in blood. Well, how can, if people want to get in contact with you or learn more about you, how can they do that? Oh, yeah. LinkedIn is a great tool. I'll throw a little little deal in there for LinkedIn. It's a great tool. But going to our website is, is usually the best route to going to uh, deltaperform.com. And it'll link in and, and you can click on there and request more information. And we can, we can start a, a conversation at that point. You're also able to go to decglobal.co.co, and that's Delta Engineering Consulting. And that's our, our engineering consulting side of our business of helping companies to improve their processes and their SOPs that they have out there in the field, also in helping them to, to do audits on what they actually have. Corporate view says we're doing this, but in all, actual, in all reality, we're doing this. Right. To expose those, we're doing really good in this area right here, guys, but we need to focus over here. And we'll have some efficiencies that come out of that. So the website's a great way to go. Or uh, you can just email me directly at Travis.Layman, and that's L-A-M-A-N, at DeltaPerform.com. Great. Thanks, Travis. So before we leave, this podcast is sponsored by ThoughtTrace. Let the software do the reading. Remember to visit ThoughtTrace.com slash podcast drawing. Each week, we'll draw a name for the free portable power bank, which is one of my favorites. It's better than the fancy-dancy one we got at the house. So before we leave, if you can give us a thought trace parting thought of the day. The only way to really optimize our industry and efficiencies and save lives while doing it is utilizing the right tool, the right technology, and the right people. We have to make those changes and implement those and improve our our operations. I really like that. I, I think that that's so true. And I think we're at the point in time now where the younger generation isn't afraid of technology and we're ready to help see some change and utilize tools beyond drill bits. So I think it's an exciting time. Yes, it is. Well, thanks for joining me this week. If you guys could do me a favor, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, please go and click the subscribe button on iTunes. Even bigger favor, leave us a review. That's the easiest way to help us spread the word and let others discover how much interesting stuff we have when we talk about the legal and risk management for the energy sector. So thanks again for joining me, Travis, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having me. If you guys could do me a favor and like, leave a review for this podcast, that's the best way for us to get exposure and let other people discover how much fun we can have reviewing insurance and risk management issues. 